welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Kaz. And this week we are going to be discussing episode 6 entitled Red Sky at Morning. And this is an episode that deals with a ghost, and not only a ghost, but something that we haven't really seen before in a ghost ship, although it is considered a death omen, which we have dealt with before. Mm -hmm. But we find out through the course of the episode that it is a sailor who was killed by his brother, who was the captain, and before he was hanged, they cut off his right hand... Oh, was it after he was hanged? Okay. Oh, that's right, because it's the right hand of a hanged man. So after he's hanged, they cut off his right hand and made what they call a hand of glory, which, according to Sam, is a very, very powerful supernatural object. We also get Bella coming in, and she is just all too eager to help Sam and Dean track down the location of this hand of glory. And we find out the reason why, being that obviously she has made a deal to sell it, and that comes back to bite her in the ass because, just like the other victims, whenever they see the ghost ship, they are eventually going to die. My one big comment on this episode is I just found it unbelievable that Dean, in particular, would have trusted her enough to go on that heist. For one thing, Bella is very honest about who she is. Right. I am a thief. I do jobs. You pay me. I do the job. Right. And all of a sudden, she's like, yes, I will help you get this back so you can destroy it. Right. Well, and especially since their most recent run-in with her, she ends up shooting Sam, as he gladly points out in this episode. And, I mean, she's she's Mm -hmm. basically all about the money... And screwing people over, especially Sam and Dean, especially Dean. So, yeah, for her, for him to, like, fall for that was just kind of, eh. I just adored her. When this is over, we should have angry sex. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Well, and not only that, but how how uncomfortable she made him whenever he came down in his tux and she's really openly admiring him. And he's standing there, you know, with his arms crossed over his chest and everything. He's like, don't objectify me. So, yeah, it's... Well, and then I went, when she made that comment, I saw the, the immediate reaction of Dean being like, yeah, wait, wait a second. No, what, mm, uh, no, mm, uh, no, we can't. Oh, uh, no. Don't me. Yes. That's where his like, thought process finally wound up. Yes. Having, yeah. to, having to buck his, his uh, natural reaction. Oh, yeah, wait a second. <laughs> having said all that, he did rock the hell out of that suit. Yes, he absolutely did. So, as I mentioned with the ship, the uh, the first person who sees it is a woman who is jogging, and she kind of mysteriously gets murdered in her shower, and we find out that she drowned in the shower, and then we find out that the next victim is basically like a real estate tycoon guy. Oddly enough, he drowns, and then his brother, the third victim, also drowns, but this time he drowns in front of Sam and Dean in his, what was that, a Mercedes in the driveway? Sitting in his car. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That one one bugged me. Because, once again, 
these boys need CPR. They need to learn CPR. Yeah. Now, it may have been being that it was a ghostly drowning that there was no saving him, but he stopped breathing about two seconds ago, so just get in there. Yeah. Help the guy. Give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing is, too, is that while it's not a supernatural means like they use whenever they're saving Bella from the ghost, I mean, yeah, they're, they're obviously, it's not a done deal. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously they were able to save Bella for, you know, I, and I realize it was in the script and she's a recurring character and all of that. But yeah, I mean, take a take a basic course. It doesn't take very long. It's oh. like four hours out of your day and boom. Yeah. But depending about the, the death too, I, uh, so you have the first two deaths where you have the death in the shower and you have the death in the bathtub. And I thought it was interesting that the two brothers saw the ship when they were diving. Yes. So they were submerged in water they when, they, in when water. they saw this thing. Right. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I get it. That's the death omen. You know, maybe death comes at night. Who knows? But the way that I had imagined what was going to happen was there was going to be some other source of water that he was going to die in. Right. And I had thought that avoiding water was going to be part of protecting Bella. And at the end, instead of it, you know, they're like, all right, you know, we're good at this graveyard, but there's a pond over there, we stay away from that. And then at the end, it starts raining, and you're like, well, crap. Right. You know, and then you're like, okay, there's nowhere safe. Like, there is, like, we can't just keep them away from this thing. But when they killed the guy in the car, they were like, no, 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 you can be killed anywhere. Water doesn't matter. You will just die wherever you are. And I was kind of like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like you're robbing a little bit of what you could have done there to a degree. And I'm like, but I... Also, it lets you know that Bella's not safe anywhere. Yeah. But then that makes the rain just become a an omen of it coming, not, oh my God, it's raining. Now, you know, she could just... No, you're right. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I felt... That would have I, I am now sad uh, over how impactful that would have been when it started raining. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, mentioned, they mentioned the storm coming in like... 30 minutes beforehand, so it was enough time, you know, for you to kind of forget that there was going to be a storm. Right. So that's where they were setting it up, and I was sort of like, missed opportunity, guys. Yeah. Whenever Dean and Sam start their investigation into all of this, we get introduced to Ms. Gert Case. She is the aunt of Sheila, who was the jogger, and Ms. Case is a little horn dog. And I'm sure you may be covering that whenever we start talking about the uh, female characters and the female aspect of the episode. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) She was was quite smitten with Sam. Yes. I can't blame her. (laughs) Well, you know. Uh, I mean, I I just loved it whenever she told him, you're just firm all over. And I'm just like, oh, honey. Oh, yes, he is. That little little thing she did with his finger. Yes. Like, oh, my God. That was incredibly sexual. And I have to admit, there was a little part of my brain going, keep that one in mind. Yes. (laughs) And and the the funny thing is, is the actress did such an amazing job with it. I mean, Uh she, she played her part so very well and I just thought it was so funny my thing with this is and I know that they did it for the comedic aspect of it and everything but the whole point of going to the museum was to get the hand of glory and to get it the fuck out of there we didn't need Sam hooking up with the old lady Whenever Bella already had an invitation, she could have taken she either didn't. Sam or Dean. She did. She was the one that said Gert got them the invitation. Okay, yeah. I must have missed that. I think it was off camera. Yeah, I don't think it. Was. We never actually saw, but it was sort of like I. I had imagined that it was. I can get you a date with Sam if 
you can get me tickets. Me and my gotcha. me and my guy tickets. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I had obviously missed that aspect of it because I mean we're we're so used to Bella being so resourceful and everything else that I was just like, okay, well she's already got the invitation. She can take one or the other of them with her, why do we need this whole, you know, plot point of, oh, hey, we're, we're introducing, you know, the, the lusty lady again, so... I just wish, and I already mentioned it, just, they, they should have known she was going to double-cross them. If she would have just lied about what she wanted, like, I know where the hand is, and listen, there's an artifact that I want in there, so I'll help you, you help me. I would have believed that. And see, the thing is, is that my thinking until I, until I realized what she was actually doing was, there's something else in there that she wants. That was my reasoning watching it. So, yeah, I mean, it would have absolutely been perfect if that's what she had gone along with. Instead, she was like, you need to get the hand to destroy it? I'll help you out of the goodness of my heart. Right. No. And she's not doing that. You're right. And Dean has already pretty much pointed out that, you know, <laughs> she has no heart as far as he's concerned. I rationalized it as the only way this is really plausible is if somebody that saw the death omen hired her and she wasn't telling them about it. Oh. So she was like, look, if you get the death omen and do this thing, I'll like, I will give you $15 million right. to save my life. And I was like, I could see Bella totally being like, yeah, I'll totally use you guys to help me steal this thing to make 15, you know, $15 million. She'd yeah. probably still steal it anyways. And so, but that was, yeah, when, then that happened. I kind of hoped that there was going to be two steps to Dean hiding it mm-hmm. so that the the obvious of her snatching it off of him. I'm not sure what that second step would have been, uh-huh. but uh, the show Leverage does a lot of stuff like this where they're two to three steps ahead and everybody's counter-moving everyone with all kinds of stuff. Right. And I kind of thought there was going to be something like that where Dean tricks her, she tricks Dean, Dean thinks he's got her, and then she tricks him again. And he's like, no, oh, no, ow! But, uh, but no, we just had a, a pickpocket. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is like you were saying with the the misdirection and all of that, I mean, Dean actually did check his hiding spot in his jacket and saw that the The quote unquote, the the hand was still there. And then obviously he realizes that, no, it's the ship in the bottle that she had been looking at in the room. And there are a couple of things, the room being one of them. A couple of things I want to talk about. Okay, so they point out the fact that the guards or the security or whatever at this event were most likely professionals, namely Highway Patrol or whatever, State Police, whatever it is. No professional officer worth his or her salt is going to take somebody to a private room in a museum and just leave them there unattended. It's not going to happen. The other thing is, is with the third guy who dies, the the second brother, Sam's prints are now on that fucking doorknob. They're on the car. And I'm sorry, but a weird-ass, mysterious death. They're going to do some investigating into that. And Bella had already put the police on the scent whenever she and Dean are kind of like trying to piss each other off. She'd already put the police on the fact that, hey, you know, I'm assuming those guys aren't really police. They aren't really who they're saying they are. You should probably check into them. And since Sam and Dean are technically still wanted for murder, I think it's a plot hole. It's one of those just inconsistencies that... Well, it's almost all the deaths that are associated with them. I I actually thought back to the fairy tales episode with the Red Riding Hood. Right. And I thought about what happens to the guy that was possessed... 
mm-hmm. as the wolf. Like, he committed all these crimes. Right. And they're just like, all right, you're cured, buddy. I'm like, am I going to jail now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, the, cop, yeah. the cops show up, and they're like, no, no, I was possessed by a, a spirit wolf thing. They're, just, they're like, you're going um, away, buddy. A couple <laughs> episodes back when the, with the girl that wanted the shoes. Yeah. 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 She's spending the rest of her life in jail. Yeah. So, I, I know that these are things that they really can't address and everything, but it's just, it's those things that where your suspension of disbelief kind of gets tested a little bit because of the fact that they are kind of Let's wonky. write a spin-off series with some of these people who have gone to jail for things that aren't <laughs> actually their fault and they all escape. And I don't know what happens from there, but I think it would be cool. No, 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 you're on something. You have an agency that actually they go they go in and they transfer them to a new prison, but it's actually like a witness protection thing because they're like, we realize you're innocent. Like, you did this thing, but we realize you're innocent, but you can't go back to your old life. Yeah. There you go. There's your show, people. Awesome. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. We would really appreciate it if you would go visit us on iTunes or Google Play and give us a rating, a review, and a subscribe. That really helps us out and makes it easier for other people to find us. And after you've done that, you can interact with us on social media. We would love to chat with you. On Twitter, you can find us at TFB underscore SPN Fancast. On Instagram, you can find us at the Family Business underscore SPN Fancast. And we're also on Facebook at Snarkcasts. And you can check out all of our sister podcasts and other cool stuff can be found at GumbyCatNetworks.com. Once more with feeling, the 20th anniversary Buffyverse fancast, Collective Snark, and Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. All right, well, Donna, shall we go ahead and kick off the second half of this with the uh, female aspect of the episode? Sure. We have three women, one of them was Sheila, who died really, really quick. Nonetheless, I managed to have a complaint about her, which is that she was clearly an athletic woman, and she made no apparent effort to fight. When she was grabbed, there was no sign that she made any effort to fight that guy off at all. Right. And I was a little irked by that, because... Now, with the others, obviously, or with some of the others, we saw the water coming out of the mouth and everything. We didn't see that with Sheila, did we? We didn't really, but we were also seeing a foggy bath. There was one point where she was kind of thrown into the glass. Right. And we definitely did not see water at that point. Right. But uh, after that... We were more more hearing the struggle. But again, no apparent sign that she even tried to fight him off. Well, and here's my problem with Sheila's reaction, too. If I'm taking a shower and I'm alone and I hear something, my ass isn't getting back in that shower after I get out <laughs> to check it out. So, yeah, no. I mean, shower is done. But Shannon... <laughs> You are a Freddy cat. Well, I don't care. And and look how long I've lived. <laughs> so so yeah, that would be my complaint with Sheila. Is don't get back in the fucking shower. Yeah. So you know. Uh, and then we had Bella, who we've talked about before, and and Bella, you know, I just love how competent she is, mm-hmm. and I very much love, as I mentioned earlier, that she's just very honest about who she is, unless yes. she's in the process of conning you, in right. which case she will lie her ass off, but in general, she is just very honest about who she is and what she's doing and why. Right. And, and I kind of appreciate that about her. But then we've got Ms. Case. We've got Gert. Now, the actress who played that part was 66 years old at the time that was filmed. Right. And Sam is supposed to be 24-ish. 24, I, 25. I think he's around the 25, 26 stage. Yeah. Mark. So uh, roughly 40 years difference here. Now, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Because 
It would not actually be unusual for it to be reversed and have a 66-year-old right. man chasing a 24-year-old woman. Right. We've seen that a lot. Right. Uh, the problem I had then with, with Gert was not even so much that we've got the age role reversal as that she did not dress like a cougar. And actually, I think she's a little old to even be a cougar. Right. She dressed like a grandmother. And the kind of woman who's going to go after a 25-year-old man is going to be dressing uh, much more... Seductively. Like a cougar. I don't know, I don't know a better way to put it. But, you know, but she was dressed like a grandmother, even, even up to the big flower on her, on her jacket. Right. And um, you know, the little strand of pearls she was wearing when they first met her. So I guess my main complaint is that they played her for laughs. And of course, it was supposed to be comedy, and that's fine, but she was ridiculous. Yes. When they could have made her actually be less ridiculous and just let us enjoy Sam's discomfort. Right. Yeah, I mean, they could they could have played her as a more serious role. Yes. And that would have, I think, still gotten the reaction that they wanted. It could have still, like you mm-hmm. said... We could have still seen uh, Sam's discomfort and everything, but it wouldn't have made her look as foolish yes. as what they made her look. Mm-hmm. She was basically Falstaff. I mean, she was the clown, Yes, and yeah. there was no reason for her to be that no. way. No matter how good she looked, it would yes. not have been unreasonable for a 25-year-old guy to be uncomfortable being pursued by her. Well, and especially... Just, oh, sorry, well, she says he's only more like, like Mallory Archer. Yes. Kind of, kind of situation. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I could see her definitely being like, this is the thing I want. I'm going for it. Yeah. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, and I was going to say too, especially since Sam, the the few instances we've seen of Sam actually engaging with one of the other female co-stars, or, you know, you know what I mean. Yes. His pursuit of that person or his being pursued by that person has been very subtle. It has been very intellectual. Mm-hmm. And this was more along the lines of, of how Dean would have handled yeah. a pursuit. And so it wasn't ever going to obviously work out. Not that it would anyway. But it was It was just... It wasn't handled well. And it, it wasn't necessary. It did, yeah. It did not have to have been like that. Yeah. And there. That, yeah, that's exactly. She still could have gotten tipsy. She still could have let slip this, uh, you know, unsavory bit of gossip that uh-huh. she definitely needed to feel close enough to Sam mm-hmm. to let him in on the secrets of the city sort of deal. The secrets of the circle of the, uh, the elite of that town. When that happened, I, w- I was glad because for a while I was like, where are they going with this? Like, we've been dancing for a while. And I did chuckle. And he was like, how long is this song? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, there's still the same song dancing? And uh, that even made me wonder, like, is this whole thing, like, a coven or something? <laughs> and they, like, lured in the Sam and Dean and, you know, Bella was there to lure him in kind of deal. Which I thought... Would have been kind of interesting, too. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. So, as we mentioned, Bella sees the ship, and she basically has to go crawling back to Sam and Dean because she's already sold the hand. It's already halfway across the ocean, and she realizes that she's pretty well screwed. And so, Sam and Dean, of course, break down, and they're going to help her. And they did something that I don't know that we have seen before, and that is Sam performs a ghost summoning ritual so that yep. the the main ghost can confront 
his brother who Didn't killed they him. Try to do that in the basement of the Catholic Church with Father Gregory. With Father Gregory. Yeah. Actually, I guess they succeeded in doing that. Now that I think about yes, it. Yes, <laughs> they did. So yeah, I guess maybe we have we have seen it in the essence that they were they were trying to find out at that point they thought it was an angel. Yeah. That they were summoning. So yeah, I guess we have seen something similar to it. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really interesting that 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 was how they handled it was by summoning another ghost. Hey, did you want to talk about the lore? Did yes. you want me to talk about the lore? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me rephrase that question. Yeah. I looked up uh, ghost ships and death omens, and there's actually so much information that I really uh, could not have brought all of it for this, uh, for this episode. But it all starts with the legend of the Flying Dutchman, which in its original form was a portent of bad weather. When you saw the Flying Dutchman, bad weather was coming. And over the course of time, the legend of the Flying Dutchman has grown and changed. But the Flying Dutchman was a ship with the Dutch East Indian Company and reportedly di- uh, died, reportedly <laughs> sank... In a, in a big thunderstorm. And if you see the Flying Dutchman, you are in trouble. I'm going to leave it at that because there's a lot. Right. Hmm. What about the Hand of Glory? Did you find anything about that? Is it an actual thing? It is an actual thing because I have heard of it before. Okay. But I also didn't research it because I am bad. <laughs> but I have heard of the Hand of Glory. It is, a, it is an actual thing. I've heard the term, but I never looked it up, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually didn't realize it was an occult thing until this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, thought it, I thought it was a religious thing. Mm. So because you have, you know, the cross hands and, you know, the praying hands and all these different kinds of hands right. when it comes to iconography. Are either one of you a, a fan of The Stand? I have seen bits and pieces of the TV show that they did, but I've never... I, okay, let's put it this way. I And I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast... I tried to read the stand, but whenever it got to the first person who was opening up the car and they were describing the contents of the family that was occupying the car, I was like, yep, I'm done. If you can't get past that, that's not the book for you. Yeah. I think at the end, one of the characters start. There, there, there's a shape that's forming and kind of coming down out of the sky, and one of the characters keeps referring to it as the hand of glory coming down out of the sky. Ah. Okay. That's why I bring it up. Interesting. You used it wrong! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk about two things in the graveyard scene while you're looking at your notes. Okay, go ahead. Uh, The first was when Sam starts chanting, he chants Azrael, Castiel, Amisiel. I got that, yeah. I was like, what was that? What was that? (laughs) Yes. Those are all angel names, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't know who Azrael is and Lemisiel is, but I'll just stop there. Yeah. If it's an EL, it's a good chance it's an angel. <laughs> so, unless it's a fallen angel, but then it's still an angel. So, either way. <laughs> <laughs> but also, after they summoned the other spirit mm-hmm. and they crashed together, that may be the coolest effect in the history of Supernatural. That effect yes. was awesome. Yeah. Extremely clever way of, of having them dissipate. Instead of just smoke. Like, yes. they could have taken the easy, the lazy way out and just been like, oh, we've got this effect we've done a million times. But I, I totally agree. That was. Mm-hmm. And they let it go on long yeah. enough, which was so great because you have this really intense visual that you're watching. But also, like Dean said, and I think even Sam, they were like, we're not sure it's going to work. Because they didn't know how the, the spirit was going to react. Yeah. He could have been like, I'm back. Ha ha. I, I killed you. <laughs> and just enrage the spirit more. So you don't know. 
and that's going on for so long, you're just sitting there with the tension of like, is this, are they going to just turn to water? Are they going to like go through and then reform and like join forces together to kill everyone? Right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, of tension, to go back to the beginning, when the, when the first brother died, that was a fantastic use of tension because by then yes. you knew. In yeah. fact, at that point, I still assumed water had something to do with it. Right. So he's there in his bathroom and the water's running and the tub's and running. And it's green And the water the is green. And then he gets down on his knees and kind of leans over the tub. And just you just you can just feel the tension. Just, just like, don't, don't put your hand in. <laughs> yeah. Don't put your hand in. And I thought, was, I thought it was so clever that they had the, uh, the pull on the side. Because that's what I expected. I expected him to like, oh, i got to reach my hand in, and then I'm going to get grabbed. And then we didn't. I was like, oh, he might live. <laughs> well, and I was expecting, which I'm glad they didn't do this, because they did it back in season one with episode three, uh, Dead in the Water. I was expecting him to reach in and start fumbling around trying to get the drain and everything, and then get pulled in. Yeah. And so instead, obviously, as you said, hand comes out and grabs him. So I'm glad that they didn't revisit yeah. that you know, that they had already done before. I sure. thought it was a really good way they did it. It was. And super suspenseful. Yes. So, very briefly, since we're almost out of time, I wanted to touch really quickly on Bella's comment that she made back to Dean whenever he said, you're so damaged. And she says, takes one to no one. Yep. Obviously, the conceit of this episode is that the, the ghost is killing people who have spilled blood of a family member. Uh, Sheila had killed her cousin. The two brothers had killed their dad. And Bella, we don't know whose death she was responsible for because she decided not to talk about it. But we start seeing that there are maybe a few parallels between her and Dean because I, in some ways they are very much alike. I mean, she objectifies Dean the way that Dean typically objectifies other you know women. And she's the one who brings up having angry sex before Dean, you know, really can cross that threshold with her, I guess you would say. But I just think that, I think it's great how in pretty much every episode, they are setting Bella up as an equal to Dean, to the point where, like, whenever he says, you know, she pulled over and, uh, she pulled one over on us again, and seems like, no, 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 it wasn't us, it was you. She pulled one over on <laughs> you. Yeah. Which, of course, pisses Dean off, you know. But I just think that it's great that we've got that almost perfect foil for Dean. She is. She is that. In fact, I meant to mention, I should have mentioned this earlier when I was talking about their treatment of the female character this episode. When Dean is reluctant to come downstairs, she calls up, what are you, a woman? Yes. And on the one hand, I'm like, okay, that's funny. But on the other hand, no. Yeah, it's a little misogynistic. Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we are very close to being out of time. Is there any last details you want to address? Yeah, there is one. I was a little disappointed that Bella succumbed to the same fate with the previous. You know, yeah. she tries to acquire a thing. She gets right off foot. She gets cursed. Right. She gets this thing. She sells it. She gets cursed by the thing. Right. However... I think that it was kind of neat because we did see something we haven't seen in a long time with him summoning the brother and then doing something that they were not sure was going to work. Right. Whereas burning the thing, sure. This, this was kind of risky. Yeah. I also thought it was really interesting and clever, actually, that she she used their, their uh, hero complex or, you know, guilt because she didn't offer to pay them Mm-mm. to help her. Right. Which would, be, which would be her go-to. Her go-to, you know, in most situations, would be like, look, I'll give you 50 grand, save my life. But she didn't. 
She didn't pay until afterwards. Yeah. Because if she had, then they probably would have rebuked it because, you know, hero complex and all that. Yes. I'm not even sure I'm using hero complex right, but you guys know what I'm talking no, about. No, but she's she's got them pegged. She, yeah. Yes. She knows exactly what buttons to push and what strings to pluck. Yeah. Yeah, so it showed, to me, it showed a, a level of cleverness of her. Because I was like, why did she? Oh, because she's smarter than me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now, one thing that I forgot to address from the beginning of the episode, and we'll touch on this really quickly, the fact that Dean counted the bullets for the Colt and found one missing, so he knew that Sam had gone to see the Crossroads Demon, which obviously had happened at the end of Episode 5, which was Bedtime Stories, where... Sam went and not only paid a visit, but put a bullet in her head. And so this is the first time that Dean is learning that the Crossroads Demon isn't the one who holds the contract that he made. It's somebody else that they don't know. Yeah. It's a mystery! Exactly. All right, guys. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for this week, and we want to invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing Episode 7 entitled Fresh Blood. So, until then, carry on, jerk. Bitch. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.